Here is a sermon that was preached by Pastor Ballin in one of the Sunday morning services. This morning, I would like to, well, like you to turn with me to Psalm 19, if you have your Bibles. Let me see how many of you have your Bibles. Can I just see your Bibles? I mean, you can lift your phones if you don't have your Bible, if you have the Bible in the phone. I mean, I agree. It's, oh, a lot of you have Bibles. Okay, it's good to bring a Bible this, on Sunday morning to church. So if you don't have a Bible, so we can give you Bibles. So we have a couple of Bibles with us. So we can, you can ask, or if you, uh, otherwise you can have your electronic uh, you know, uh, uh, Bibles in your phone or in your iPad. Right, so we are in Psalm 19. So we are going to read Psalm 19, the full Psalm 19. You ready? The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Verse 7, Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. You know, here we read in Psalm 19, Psalmist, here the David, bringing great idea of who our God is. Now, I would like to divide this entire Psalm into three sections. The first section, David talks about God's world. The world that God created. Can you repeat this with me? God's world. So God created this world. And David at some point of time in his life, he walked out of the house and he stood there outside and he looked up. Looked the sky. I don't know whether you looked the sky anytime. Do you? What do you see there? Clouds? Always clouds? Stars, moons, sorry, moon, sun, flights, then rain, oh, rainbow, birds, what? Celestial bodies, what are they? We can't see that, okay. Do you see angels? No? 
not in the sky, right? Okay, so we see a lot of things. We see meteors, shooting stars, right? Okay, so it's a good thing to see once in a while, you know, just go outside and just, uh, uh, not in the daytime, but in the nighttime. So if you just uh, drive out of the city and go to a you know, lonely place or where you don't have much light pollution and just look at the sky, how beautiful the sky is. Right? We need to do that once in a while. So David, at some point of time in his life, he looked at the sky. He, he was just amazed to see the creation of God. So David got a revelation on God's creative power. You know, at times we need to do that because otherwise we tend to forget about our God. We need to think about our God, how creative our God is. David could see the heavens, the sky, the brightness of the sky, sun, moon, and the stars, and the heat of the sun. Everything David could see as he just moved out of his house and looked above. You know, he understood God is very glorious in his eyes because he created something which is so vast and so big. And how big our God could be if God could create such a vast universe. And all that we could see ever is just only our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy. There are hundreds and thousands of other galaxies which probably we don't reach. Some of the telescopes could reach. And David realized he is glorious in his engineering. You know, I don't know, God did a master's degree and probably a PhD in engineering. You know, today the engineers design many things, right? They design bridges, they design tall buildings, but a little shake, the whole building collapses. Today they design aircrafts and you know, trains and you know, automobiles and so many other things. But at times, you know, things won't work. Have you ever thought of it? Every day morning, whether you like it or not, sun rises. And every day morning, things happen just in the way. Look at the way they were engineered. God is amazing. David was realizing this. And look at the way he is, is glorious. He is glorious in his artistry. Very artistic. Very talented. And look at the creation. They are very beautiful. And David was just amazed in first six scriptures. And he's glorious in his goodness and his kindness because he created all these things for humanity. David was just wondering and he's praising and worshiping God for all his creation. And then he switched gears from verse 7 through 9. And if you have still here, have your Bibles, you know, from verse 7 onwards, you would see there, David is getting a revelation about God's word. The glorious character, the magnificent character of God's word. You know, that's where we are going to focus this morning. And he described God's word in six different ways. Number one, he says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Number two, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, Enduring forever, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. There are six ways, six representation of God's word is what we see from verses 7 to 9. And now when you get back to the end of the psalm, he talks about his servants, all of us. Verses 10 through 14. And there is a great revelation of God's grace upon our lives. 
God's grace that is available for those who believe in him. He's a magnificent God. He's a creator. He's, his wisdom is mighty and he's powerful God. And he created everything. And then he switched gears to his God's word. He got a great revelation about God's word. In six different ways, he understood God's word. And finally, he says, he got a great revelation about God's worker or his servants or all of us. He got a great revelation about God's grace that is available for all of us. And this morning, we are going to focus from verses 7 through 9, six titles of God's word, six titles of the word of God. We have the screen now. Number one, the law of the Lord is perfect. Let's repeat that again. Can you repeat that with me? The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. We are going to spend a couple of minutes in each of this aspect. The way David understood God's word. Number one, the law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect. You know, law means rule or regulation that governs people. You know, today governments come with different laws to govern all of us, all the citizens. Law is the rule or regulation that brings certain, you know, discipline among the citizens. Now here, David looked at the word of God and he says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. That simply means the law or the word of God is free from corruption. It's perfect. There is no blemish. It's perfectly filled with good things that is needed for life. It is also perfectly fitting for all the ages. You know, we, we grow old. The things that we purchase, you know, they just fall apart. But Bible says, the word of God says, this is fresh. Every day morning, when you take this and sit in front of this, it has something to say. It has something to say. Perfect for all the ages. You know, Bible also, we say it is inerrant and infallible. That means there is no error in the Bible. And Bible is trustworthy, infallible. It is worthy to trust God's word. And David says, Lord, your law is perfect. And nothing we need to add to this. Nothing we need to take out of this. Because this is perfect. That's what we need. And David, as he looked into the heaven and his creations, he came back to word of God, God's word, and he realized God's word is perfect. You know, that's what I need today. This is what I need, what I carry in my hands. You know, that's perfect. You know, this is a kind of understanding you and I need to come in grips with the word of God. You know, God's word is very personal. You know, we have our Bibles. Bible is the one who speaks to us. God speaks to us through his word. You know, when we say this is his word, that means the word can speak the word can word has a sound, a voice. And when we read the word, it's equivalent to God speaking to us. And David realized that this is perfect. That's what I need. And David also says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. What does it mean? 
converting the soul. Other translations say reviving the soul, transforming the soul. You know, sometimes, you know, when we think about people around us, the life of people, you know, at times we look at them and we, we think that, I try to tell them, I try to teach the word of God, or I try to bring them to listen to the word of God. But it looks like nothing is happening in their lives. Looks like there is no change in their lives. But you know what the truth is? As we allow people to hear, listen to the word of God, you know, there is something happening. Yesterday at the end of the service, you know, I was talking about spirit of Antichrist yesterday. At the end of the service, before all of us left, one woman came and told me, Pastor, I understood now why we cannot really go with another team. You know, she's worshipping in another team or group of people. You know, they just uh, worship either God, the Father, or they worship only Jesus. Most of the time they go saying that only Jesus, I just want to follow only Jesus. God the Father was in the Old Testament and in the New Testament it's only Jesus. But yesterday the word of God was very clear. The moment you try to separate Father from the Son, what comes inside is the spirit of Antichrist. There is a scriptural evidence for that. And she came and told me, I, I, I understand now. I don't want to get involved too much in that group now because I know things are not according to the word of God. You know, every time when we allow people to listen to the word of God, the word of God gets stuck in their minds. It continues to work in their lives. You know, we think that, you know, nothing happens, but things are happening. You know, because it is true that God, at times, you know, it looks like God is not doing anything, but God is never idle. God never stopped doing, never stopped doing things. He always does. One way or the other, God is always at work. Everything people see in their lives. In a moment, you bring somebody new to this building. They look at us. They look at the smile in our face. They look at the way we treat them. They will look at the love and the affection that you as children of God could show them. Not asking questions, you know, when did you come? When did you, where do you go? You know, who is your father? Who is your mother? How many children you got? How many times you got married? In all these questions, before we ask all these questions, it's better to show them the love. You know what? When they leave from this place, that sticks in their mind. They want to come to this place again. If we love them. If we love them. You know, here we see, word of God converting the souls. What does it mean? Word of God reviving the souls, nourishing the souls, transforming lives. You know, the, 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 the greatest miracle that God can do today is life transformation. Yesterday we heard the testimony. Sanjana was testifying here saying that, there was, they were, some point of time, somebody was so arrogant in their life, in his life. But now he is leading a group of people in every day, by every week Bible study. Transformation. The real transformation happens in our lives. That is the greatest miracle. So studying and hearing the word of God goes really beyond our intellectual and it works deep inside of our soul. You know, most of the time our intellectual is here, right here in the brain. You know, most of the time we try to think and we try to understand, we try to digest the word of God with our little brain. How big our brain is? So big? Just small, very small, right? Slightly a little bigger than chicken brain, maybe. Right? So very little brain, very small brain. 
With a small brain, we try to understand God's word with our intellectual ability, but never we can understand God that way. But more we listen, it doesn't really stop there in our head. It sinks down. It goes down into the soul. That's where David is saying, converting the souls. Lives are changed. Lives are transformed through God's word. Through God's word. You know, there are many people, they follow God by seeing a miracle. You know what? After some time, they go away from God. Because they don't see miracles. Children of Israel, think about them. Walking in the wilderness... Seeing a lot of miracles, they were said, come on, let's go. Let's cross the river. And they crossed the river. And the miracle stopped at some point of time. The manna stopped at some point of time. They just started murmuring. You know, sometime in our lives, when we follow God by seeing miracles, we will start murmur against God. But when we allow this word of God to sink deep in our hearts, that brings this soul transformation in our lives, that will never go away from us. No matter whether we see miracles or not, no matter things are happening or not, I just follow God. You know, that is the commitment. That commitment comes by knowing, by allowing the word of God to uh, go deep in our hearts. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Bible says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. You know, this is what scripture does. This is what word of God does. It corrects, it instructs, instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, something that can make you and me good today is the word of God. Scripture, scripture. Number two, David describes the word of God in this way. He says the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise. Simple. Can you repeat this after me? The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise. The simple. You know, God's word is the testimony of God. What is the testimony? What is the testimony? You all share testimonies, right? What is a testimony? Experience? Happenings? What? Miracles? The blessings? What God has done in our lives? So testimony is a kind of witness. You are here, standing here, people are seeing all of us, but they are not seeing God. And you come and tell that, my God has done this to me. You know, you are representing God. You are standing there on behalf of God and telling that my God is. My God is. You know, that's the reason we come and share the prayer requests. Because when we pray, we believe God answers. So David says the testimony of the Lord is sure. And he says this is the testimony. How do we know who our God is? By reading the Bible. This is the testimony. This word testifies about God. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise simple. God's word is the testimony of God. You know, scripture is the only true revelation of God. Just want you to get this clear. Scripture is the only true revelation about God. Nothing else. There is no way we can believe on something else. There is no way we can believe on somebody with their experience. No, we cannot believe anybody. But we can believe. The word of God. Because this is the only true representation of who our God is. 
And he says, testimony of the Lord is sure. It is certain. You know, he is 100% confident. And he's saying that God's word is certain. It never lies. If God's word says something, it, God will do it. You know what? Because God's word is tested and verified. Tested and verified. Whatever is written, it will happen. Yes, come on. Do you believe that? Whatever is written, has it happened in the past? Yes, no? In the history? In, 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 in the country of Israel? Whatever God spoke, has it happened? Yes. Yes or no? We need to know the scripture for that. What is going on currently in that nation? Is it written in this book? Yes or no? Some people are not believing, I guess. Yes? Strong yes? Yes, certainly. It is written in this book. That's why we need Bible study. We need to study. We need to study. Scripture is more trustworthy than any other book which is written. Which one is better? You will go with the Bible or you will go with the commentary? Hello? Bible? You will go with the Bible or some novel? Bible? Right? So we'll go with the Bible. You know, experiences are returned in many different books. In many ways, we are there available. But this book is trustworthy. Than any human experience or than any human reasoning. And this, he, David says here, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. What does it mean, making wise the simple? Those who are humble enough, those who are willing, those who are in a willingly want to learn the word, God's word make them wise. Making wise the simple. Who is the simple? Who is the simple? Someone who is willing to learn. Someone who says, I do not know much about the word. The moment I say that I know everything, there is nothing that I can learn. The moment I say, I do not know, Lord, I need to learn still. You know, more we learn, we become more wise. That's what scripture says. That's what David says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Bible says, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. And that from childhood, Paul is writing to Timothy. He's saying, childhood, you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. These holy scriptures are able to make you wise. You know, today, we need to take this word of God and we need to study this word of God because we all need wisdom. Now, I just want you to think about for a moment the times in your life you really messed up certain things. Because you did not apply your wisdom. When you dealt with your clients, when you dealt with your patients, there are times you messed up. Messed up because you did not apply your wisdom. You are in the phone call, but you are not having wisdom, enough wisdom to talk. Client is standing in front of you, but you are not having enough wisdom to deal with. You did not have enough wisdom to deal with the co-worker because you don't know. We are foolish. But here David says, Learn this word of God. Study the word of God. Before you take your book, before you take your school notes, university notes, take this word of God and study a chapter and meditate the word of God and you will get wisdom. Wisdom is found in God's word. 
And meditating God's word is going to make somebody wise. Can you repeat this after me? Meditating God's word is going to make me wise. Make me wiser than my enemies. Come on. Make me wiser than my, 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 my co-workers. Make me wiser than my fellow students. Testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. Number three. David says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Statutes or commandments are law in the written form. You know, today if you look at the world, there are many instructions that lead people in the wrong way, in the wrong direction. You know, there are many books available, there are many websites available, and there are many things, you know, they are recommending you to try. But they lead people most of the time to in the wrong way. The simple example is, you know, there are many online jobs available. So the moment you click on online job, the first thing they expect is, you know, before you, the end of the page, your credit card number. Right? Your credit card number. You know, then you enter into that and you'll end up in seeing in your credit statement saying that, you know, so many dollars are already taken because you're not done anything. You're not earned anything online. There are certain things that are misleading at times. There are certain things, you know, they are suggesting you to try out various ways of dealing with the spirits. There are different recommendations available. If you do this, if you try this out, you know, you can deal with the spirit world and you will know what is kept for tomorrow, what is ready for your future. The spirits are going to tell you. You know, there are many instructions available which are going to lead people in the wrong way. The end of those ways are distraction. You know, word of God tells that very clearly. Proverbs chapter 14, 12. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. No, it doesn't, right, it doesn't seem to be wrong at all. Bible says it seems to be right. It seems to be right. What is wrong in trying that? Why don't we try it out? And see what happens. You know, there is nothing seemed to be wrong there. Everything seemed to be right. That's what the word of God says. It is a way that seems right for a man. But at the end is the way of death. You know, that's where we need to apply our wisdom. And we need to be cautious. But following what David is saying. David is saying the statutes of the Lord are right. Following what God's word teaches us. We can never go wrong. We can never go wrong in our life. Psalm 119 verse 128 says, Psalm 119 verse 128, Therefore, all your precepts concerning all things, I consider to be, I consider to be right. I hate every false way. You know, there are many false ways available today, but God is asking us to hate those false ways, but God is asking us to stick on to this word, because this word prescribes the right way, only the right way, only, only the right way. And he says, David says, look at the way he is describing the word of God as, you know, in, the, in the third way. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Did you see that? The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Can you get that screen? Rejoicing the heart. You know what, what happens? Because they are right, they bring joy to our heart. Are you with me this morning? Because they are right, they bring joy, such a great joy 
in our life. Psalm 119, 162 says, Psalm 119, 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. David says, I rejoice in your word, Lord. You know, how many of us rejoice in the word? Can I see your hand at least? How many of us rejoice in the word? Yes? Not all of us? It's better we need to rejoice in the word. You know, sometimes we read, we don't understand it. Yesterday someone was telling me, I read the scriptures, but I don't understand. It's good. Keep reading. Keep reading. Keep reading. The more we read, the words will start speaking to us. And at times I agree with you, it's not, they're not simple. But God wants us to read the scriptures. The more you read, the more joy you get. The joy the world cannot give, but the word of God gives that joy. Because they are right. They are teaching the right thing for our lives. They are not wrong. Paul says, that's the reason Paul says in Philippians 2.16. He says, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. You know, many times in our Christian life, we think this. I don't know whether I think about it, but I don't know, I don't know about you. Lord, all that I'm trying to do is it in vain? What is the result? I don't see that result. It in my life. Do you think that way? Yes? No? Yes? Lord, I don't see anything happening in my life yet. But Bible says, read this again. Paul says, holding fast the word of life. This is the word of life. Holding on to the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. That I have not run in vain, labored. In vain. Everything that we do for God is not in vain. Every effort that we take in God's kingdom is not in vain. Every time you walk into the presence of God, it's not going to go waste. Every dollar we spend in the kingdom of God is not going to go waste. Paul says, hold on to it because it is right. It will bring joy. It will bring joy in your life. Number four, <coughs> David says, the commandment of the Lord is pure enlightening the eyes. Can you repeat this after me? The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eye. You know, David talks about the purity of the word of God. You know, something is declared as pure when it is well tested. When it is well tested. You know how gold and silver are purified, right? How many of us have gold here? Yes, all of us? You know how the gold came? You bought it from the store, right? <laughs> Simple. So, but how it came to the store where you could buy? Gold mine? Somebody has to go to call our gold mines, gold field, KFG, right? Yeah, so I remember still. So they need to go there and mine gold from there. And when you get the gold, can you just hang it straight away? No, it has, it has to be. Purified. It has to be purified that goes through a process. And here, by word of God, David says, the commandment of the Lord is pure. Tried in many lives and still works. David tried and he prescribed us to try. There are many people, they went before us, went ahead of us. They all tried. It worked in their lives. It worked. And that's the reason David is saying in Psalm, Psalm 12, 6. Let's read Psalm 12, verse 6. The word of the Lord are pure words. 
like silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. How many times? Seven times purified. The word of God is the purified. That's the reason David says, the commandment of the Lord is pure. And what it does? Enlightening the eyes. You know, when you think about purified word of God, what comes in my mind is, in the Revelation, book of Revelation, we read the heaven scene. Let's go to Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. It talks about the river of life. River of life. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. You know what? Have you seen the clear water? Very crystal clear water. You know, there are various processes of you know, purifying water. Any of you remember those processes? We can filter the water. There is a process called distillation, right? You can get distilled water. Sorry? From the river? Reverse osmosis. Right, so I forgot. Yeah, physics. So reverse osmosis to purify water. Crystal clear water. You know, Bible says in Revelation 21, when we go to heaven, that's what we are going to see. He saw, John saw the angel showing him pure river of water of life. Word of God is also compared to water. Pure water. And David says, your commandments are pure. You know, as the word is pure, it has a purifying ability to purify our lives. You know, have you seen eye drops which you normally use for eye, 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 eye sickness or you just want to moisturize your eyes? You want to use eye drops, right? How clean that eye drops should be? It should be very clean because you're just pouring that straight into your eyes. Very clean. So David says, the commandment of the Lord is pure. Enlightening our eyes. Proverbs 35 says, every word of God is pure. Every word of God is pure. You know, that's the reason we need to preach the word of God in purity. We cannot just take the word and interpret the word of God the way we want. That's the reason Bible study helps, the way we do our men's Bible study. We all share our own ideas. But then finally we try to conclude, come to a conclusion what is right. We need to understand the word of God in the purest form. Paul says, Paul says he's praying for the churches. Especially he was praying for the church of Ephesus. Let's read this Ephesians 1.18. He says the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Paul says, I pray that God may open your eyes. You know, many times in our Christian walk, our eyes are closed. Our eyes are not enlightened. You know, we need to ask God, Lord, enlighten my eyes. And Paul is praying for the church of Ephesus. Lord, enlighten their eyes, Lord, so that they may see the blessings that you have in store for them. You know, at times we look at the current situation and we just lose focus on what the word of God says. But Paul was writing to the church and saying that, Lord, help them, enlighten their eyes so that their understanding will increase. You know, the more, more we gain understanding on the word of God, we know for sure what God holds for us. We are not afraid of anything. We know what blessings God has in store. You know, our eyes need to be enlightened. And how do we enlighten our eyes? By applying the purest word of God in our lives. 
so that our eyes will be open to see the great things that God has. You know, that's what the, that's the reason songwriter says, once I was blind, now I could see. Once I was blind, I thought these are all waste. These are all waste, vain things. But now, as I start reading the word of God, I could see what God has in store for me. Number five, David says the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And some of the commentators says, you know, so far he's talking about the word of God, the commandment of the Lord, the laws of God. And now he says the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Some of the commentators, they say the fear of the Lord is an instruction given by God for us so that we can fear God. You know, we, now we know that in you know, this world currently, the fear of God is not there. Especially the younger generation, they don't know, they don't have the fear of God. But David says, the fear of the Lord is clean. Your instructions for me to fear you, they are clean and they stand out forever. You know, Bible gives us instruction to show our reverence to God. You know, we fear God, not that we are afraid of God. We fear God because we respect him. We rever him. We know he is God. We are human. So that fear comes out of the respect that we have for God, not out of fear. You know, there are other religions today, they teach that we need to be fearful to God because they are afraid. They are made afraid to God, of God. But our God is not expecting that, but our God is expecting us to fear Him out of the respect we have, out of the love we have for Him. When we have fear of God, and David says the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. You know, when we have fear of God, it's like cleansing agent in our lives. It cleans our lives. Let's read Psalm 119, two scriptures. Psalm 119 verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. You know, as young people, as young people, you know, how do they keep their lives clean? By keeping the word of God in their lives. You know, many times we fall into so many temptations. Are we? Do we? Yes, we fall into many temptations. But David is saying that you need to keep the word of God in your, in, 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 in your mind. When you keep the word of God, you will walk clean. And David says the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. What does it mean? Word of God endures forever. Mark 13, 31. Bible says, in fact, Jesus spoke about it. And he said, heaven and the earth shall pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. That means one day heaven and the earth is going to fall apart. When Lord God comes and we establish his throne, when the wrath of God is poured upon this land, when the wrath of the Antichrist is poured upon this land, you know, the heaven is going to fall apart. But Bible says the word of God is going to remain forever. And David says the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Finally, David says the judgment of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now I was thinking about this morning, what is judgment of the Lord? You know, we know that God is going to judge all of us. And David says the judgment of the Lord are true. And certainly he is referring to God's word. How come God's word is in relation with judgment of God, judgment of the Lord? You know, we know what judgment of the Lord are founded upon the most sacred and unquestionable Word of God. Judgment of God are founded upon the most sacred 
and unquestionable truths that are written in the word of God. How do we know? We know that because Jesus spoke about it. You know, the word of God is the basis on which God is going to execute judgment. You know, today, if you go to the court, they have a law. They will refer to the law and they will say the section of, according to the section of this particular law, we are coming to the decision and we are going to execute judgment on somebody. And on the day when we will stand before, listen to this, this is very important. On the day when we stand before God, Bible says, God, Jesus said, God is going to execute the judgment based on this book. Let's read John chapter 12 verse 48. John chapter 12 verse 48. The one who rejects me, listen to this, Jesus is saying, and does not receive my words, has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. The words that I have spoken will judge him. Can you repeat this with me? The words that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. The words that Jesus spoke, the words that God spoke are going to judge us. You know how much more I need to know this word because if I do not know this word, I don't know what the word of God is talking about. When I am judged, I'm going to ask God, Lord, where is it written? Lord will say that according to this chapter, according to this verse, according to this statement, I'm finding you guilty. Hope God doesn't say that to me. So God doesn't say that to all of us. But if God says, we will ask oh God, where is it written, Lord? We need to know. That's what Jesus says. The words that he spoke are going to judge us. Is, are, are, am I able to get into your mind? Am I, am I getting you? The word that Jesus spoke is going to Judges, take all the four Gospels. And God, Jesus spoke so many things. If somebody hits you in one cheek, show the other cheek. And God is going to judge us based on that. Tough, isn't it? Tough. And God says, give, it will be given. Tough. Right? God says, you need to care for the poor. You need to care for the orphans. There are many instructions, many expectations in the word of God. And the Bible says, Jesus said, I'm going to judge everybody based on what I spoke. That's the reason David is saying, the judgment of the Lord is true. They are righteous altogether. And finally, in verse 10, if you are in, still in Psalm 19, verse 10, David says, as closing, more to be desired are they than gold, eh, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. More to be desired than gold, than much fine gold. What David means here is, they are more to be desired than the wealth of this world. Gold is referred because gold is cost expensive, valuable. So God's word needs to be desired more than we seek the wealth of this world. May it be gold, may it be our dress, may it be our house, may it be our car, may it be our job, may it be our church, whatever we have, whatever God has given to us. Are we desiring the word of God more than all the wealth that God has given to us? That's a question to us. And secondly, he says, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. The question David is asking at the end of it, he's saying, 
Is the word of God more desirable than the pleasures and the delights of this world? Question. Is the word of God more desirable than the pleasures of this world? You know, the transcript that we have in today is much valuable than gold. Is much valuable than the, some of those joyous moments that we can have today in this world. Because they are more sweeter than the honey. The question that you and I need to answer, do we really read God's word? Do we really meditate God's word? Do we allow God to reveal himself through this word to us? Do we allow God to speak through his word to us? If not, we need to make an attempt to read, start reading the word of God, start studying the word of God, because they are precious. Shall we close our eyes? Hope you are blessed by this teaching. Please write to Pastor Balan Swaminathan at balan at hibm.org. God bless you.